0: This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, something common to all of us is that we have all experienced the death of a loved one. We've all experienced that deep, inexpressible grief that accompanies the passing of a parent a child a close friend or relative the death of a loved one causes us to direct our focus to that age old question of what happens after death are we simply collections of stardust that go back to the dust of the earth at dust a final and complete ending or is there an afterlife a spiritual world a place beyond the stars another dimension that our real beings travel to. I, for one, have had two questions about this spiritual world. First, does it exist? And second, what proof do we have for it? Now, joining me today is Bark Anthony, who combines two skills that makes him a unique speaker on this topic. He is both a practicing lawyer and an intuitive. He has appeared on a number of national radio shows and has been a regular legal commentator on Fox News. He is also the author of the new book, Never Letting Go, Heal Grief with Help from the Other Side. So today we're gonna be talking about messages from the other side with Mark Anthony. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank
1: you, Philip, it's really great to be here.
0: Well, uh, thank you for joining us today on Mother's Day. And I think as you mentioned in one of your uh, emails, before the show, this is a special day because many of us have experienced the passing of a parent, and I think that does bring uh, probably the the deepest grief that many of us experience in our lives. and so for for uh, for better or worse we're we're doing this on a special day, but we're going to try to show the bright side of this because you yourself uh, have some confidence that another world exists. Now, what is this other spiritual world? How would you describe it?
1: Describing the other side, heaven, nirvana, that, you know, the the other realm is is very difficult for us because we're living in the material world and we have a finite existence. So everything we know has a beginning, a middle, and an end because we're born, we grow old, and we die. However, the other side is infinity. It is an eternal state of being. And people say, well, how do you know it exists? Well, every day you and I flip on light switches and, and, and electricity makes a light bulb go on. Well, do we really know what electricity is? Do we really understand it? It's around us all the time, but I don't know anybody personally, that can explain exactly what it is other than its energy. So heaven and the other side exist, it's an infinite thing. Understanding something or acknowledging that something exists doesn't mean you necessarily understand it, but we know that it's there.
0: Well, one what of what the features of our modern mindset that we cover a lot on this show is that even in the modern scientific worldview, there's multiple mysteries that exist multiple unanswered questions and uh, s- such as where did where did all the matter and stuff com- come from the laws of nature and then we have quantum theory which strongly suggests i think that there is a spiritual component to the world now I think you said something very interesting there about electricity, and I think you hit the nail on the head because we tend to accept some of the miracles of our current world for granted. Not really not realizing that we really don't understand it. And when you get to the spiritual world, maybe it's just something else we don't fully understand. That's exactly
1: true. And if you'll uh, bear with me for just a moment, people ask me, well, how can you possibly talk to spirits? That sounds impossible. And recently I was lecturing at Brown University and then Harvard University. And I love it because there's really intelligent people there uh, there's intelligent people everywhere, but these are kind of the, you know, right. <laughs> the temples. Right. They did well uh, of our right. right, right. And they, they said, did. Well, how can you do that? I said, Well, how many times a day do you make a cell phone call? And somebody said, Well, all the time. Okay, I said, so what are you doing? They go, What do you mean? I said, Your brain is sending an impulse to your lungs, which is forcing that's electrical energy making mechanical energy rush air through your windpipe so that your vocal cords are vibrating. Now we have sound wave energy and it and it's coming out of your mouth and hitting a plate in your cell phone which vibrates which is then mechanical energy being converted into electrical energy then into radio wave energy which hits a tower which goes through miles of copper wire which gets beamed up to a satellite through a network of other satellites and then comes down um, to a collection point on the other side of the world, goes through miles of copper wire to a tower, um, being converted from radio wave energy into electrical energy, then coming out of a speaker in the form of sound wave energy, hitting someone's eardrum, causing it to vibrate, making that sound wave energy turn into mechanical energy when the stapes bones hits the eighth cranial nerve, transmitting into an electrical impulse it goes into somebody's brain, and they interpret that energy as "Good morning, Aunt Martha." Right. So. How (laughs) is communicating with spirits, which are energy, because as you correctly pointed out, physics, quantum physics, and, and scientific theory and scientific laws prove that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred, so that when the energy that makes us alive and who we are ceases to be housed in this physical body, it goes somewhere else. And my belief, based on the evidence that I have gathered throughout my life is that it transfers to a higher frequency, a higher vibration, and remains intact, coherent, and conscious.
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into this this uh, perspective that you have as a lawyer, and I think that that separates you from a lot of people in this field, because as we dis- as most people who listen to the show know, I'm also a lawyer, and one of the one of the perspectives I bring to beliefs or theories whether it comes from a spiritualist a theologian or a scientist is is to consider what evidence he or she may have for that belief looking at things objectively we tend to in my mind we tend to uh, rely upon a, a, authority figures for a lot that we, b- that we believe to be true and I find that if you take away the authority aspect of it and just look at the ideas themselves it really helps separate real, uh, what, what we really know from what we don't know and, and getting to this this, uh, this this spiritual world I'm wondering whether you yourself with your legal training has brought more of a heightened degree of skepticism to some of these uh... beliefs or some of these experience anecdotes and and if so then what what eventually convinced you that this is real
1: well now that's a loaded question <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh... And, and that's a good question uh, am i skeptical as a lawyer i'm like you and and first off i want to say that philip and i are a good representation that the vast majority of lawyers are not blood-sucking monsters, which are unethical <laughs> and evil. And, and it's amazing, you know, because we have <laughs> the type of professions that when people say, well, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. You immediately get a response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would say, probably most of the time, it's not a positive one. Right. You know, if, if you say to people, like, well, what do you do for a living? I'm a landscaper. Oh, I like plants. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so you get that. It's like, I'm a lawyer. Oh, yeah. I got, you know, sued. I got arrested, so on and so forth. Yeah. But as attorneys, we're, we're trained in critical thinking. So we're very analytical about things, and I'm probably the worst skeptic of all. And even though I was born with these abilities, and as a psychic medium, my whole life I was always questioning them and uh, doing what I call cross-examining it. And an image would come through and I'd go, I must be making up, that can't be true, That, da da even though it was, it was correct. Now being skeptical of belief systems, um, I show respect to all people of all faith. Uh, it would be nice if all people of all faith would in, in, in kind respect other people because what happens is religion is a good thing because it gives a moral infrastructure and it basically tells us you know, don't do things which hurt other people. Your rights end where somebody else's nose begins. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And those are all very, very positive things where it all goes wrong. Is when well, my prophet and my God are bigger and better than yours, even though there's only one God with many different manifestations. And uh, I'm working on a new book where I write a story about within the course of 24 hours, I was called a, an infidel, a heretic, and a devil worshipper by three different people from three different religions who believe that their way was the one and only way to God, and everybody else is wrong. Well, that'd, and, that'd uh, and and basically. Yeah. Um, With all due respect to those people, if your belief system works for you, then follow it. But please, and this is one of the things that I teach in my lectures, this is one of the things that I, I discuss in my book, Never Letting Go, is you must, faith in God and a belief in God must never be used to justify anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence, Jesus never said cast the first stone, but boy, a lot of people that proclaim to be Christians are so quick to judge. Um, Muhammad was not in favor of butchering uh, defenseless, unarmed people. That was not his thing. Um you know, Hinduism is all about peace, nonviolence, and the, and the respect of life, and, and we could go on and on and on. So what happens is that very ego-driven people are looking for a moral justification for their own um, ambitions, and they say, well, God's on our side, because really they don't have any other justification for it. So if nothing, you know, if everything else fails, which it does when you're advocating um, violence for, for no other reason than to expand your own power, greed, and, and ego— then you then you turn to god now i think you also ask what evidence do i have Well, the type of mediumship that I practice, and there's different types of mediums, there's different types of mediumship, I'm what's known as an evidential medium. So if I was doing a reading on you and I just said, well, your mother's here and and it's Mother's Day and, 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 uh, and she loves you and she's watching over you, well, that is so vague and so general. In evidential mediumship, it's the medium's job to bring forth pieces of evidence, things about your mom I couldn't know. Her likes, her dislikes, a personality profile, what she looked like, what she passed from. Maybe things like one of her favorite songs, or even I mean, I've even got people's favorite T V shows. So, I was doing yeah. a reading for <laughs> this yeah. lady one time. I started hearing da 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 and I started yeah. like humming the Adams Family right. and she started laughing. She goes, yeah. Oh my god, my mother loved the Adams family. Yeah. That was her favorite T V show of all time. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's and good. and so that's evidential mediumship as opposed to your mother's around she loves you she's watching over you. Yeah. And and so when I watch mediums do that I know that they're stalling for time um, because <laughs> what happens is and, and and I'm you know I'm trying to keep this short cuz it's a pretty heady topic when a spirit is communicating with me or with any medium they send waves of frequency waves of vibration so we receive it's like an impulse and we receive uh, information and in waves, and you got to put it all together, and you got to think about it. And sometimes, you know, you have to say, or I don't, I don't, but but people say those things to, to stall for time. I usually just say, hold on a minute, let me let me hear what they're saying, and then I'll deliver it. Um, and and that's that's where the evidence comes in. If you can can receive you meaning the medium, if the medium can receive information that is exact, that can be objectively verified and that there's no way I could possibly know there's your evidence for the eternal nature of spiritual existence
0: and it seems to me that we have at least two levels here to get to first of all you need to have some kind of openness to to the fact that there is or may be a spiritual world there's many people such as uh, what I would call the orthodox scientific uh, mentality that would close off any any suggestion that there's a supernatural world because it doesn't fit the model. So so that would be a closed-minded approach. But then you need for people like me at least then you would need some evidence that it that 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 it, that it's true. And it seems to me that you've made both of those steps. But I think that at the first step. It's it always it's apparent to me that you have to be open to the possibility, right? Because because unless you're open to it, you 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 would never experience it. Well, open-mindedness
1: is the key to enlightenment, and every great discovery, uh, creation, uh, scientific theory has begun with the statement "I don't know," as opposed to "I know so much I can't believe that." and and I have um, a tremendous amount of respect for the theoretical physicists. And the greatest mind, or one of the greatest minds of our time, is Stephen Hawking. And, it, and I was really saddened when recently uh, Stephen Hawking said, uh, there is no afterlife, there is no God, the probabilities against it, so on and so forth. And yet Albert Einstein Uh, didn't feel that way. Neither did Richard Feynman, the great particle uh, physicist from the Manhattan Project and and other tremendous discoveries. Neither was Nikolai Tesla or Thomas Edison. I mean, they all believed in an afterlife. And when you look at at Professor Hawking, you know, he's had a life where he's plagued by a horrible disease. Um, This is such an incredible mind who's been placed in such a a, such an incapacitated body, there's a lot of bitterness, there's a lot of resentment there. And um, I, I said on another show, I said, you know Stephen Hawking's going to be very surprised <laughs> when he transitions. and I, and I hope for his sake and, and for the sake of the world, that, that um, he, he's, he lives many more years and that perhaps maybe stem cell therapy can can cure his condition yeah. because he is truly a gift from God to have that type of intellect on this planet.
0: This is, this is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Mark Anthony, a lawyer and intuitive and author of the book Never Letting Go. And we're talking about Stephen Hawking and his denial of an afterlife. Now, Mark, it turns out that I bring up that very point a lot in this show because I think it says something about the stifling of spirituality in our modern world and the topics specifically specifically being leading scientists such as Stephen Hawking, who essentially have gone public with denying God and afterlife, heaven, and anything else that's really good in, in, in spirituality. And, and, and I think that that, that leads me to this, this, the topic of do you think we are living in a spiritually stifled world and, do you, and and if so, what do you think the future is going to bring? Well,
1: uh, you know, I hate to answer a question with a question, but being, being a good lawyer like you are, <laughs> when have we ever lived in a spiritual world? That's true. You know, from, from the dawn of history, whenever the great spiritual leaders have, have incarnated into this world, you know, like Krishna, the, the Hindu sages, Lao Tzu, um, Buddha, uh, Jesus... Um, Muhammad, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Yogananda Paramahansa, um, a lot of the Native American spiritualists, they come forth and, and they're telling us this is the way, this is how to connect to the light. And the problem is some people listen but most people don't. And it, it's it's really sad. Now we are living in an exciting time because it is my belief that within this century, within you know, the, in in the twenty first century, we're going to be seeing that science is going to validate spirituality and spiritual beliefs. So, uh, in never letting go, I touch upon this in in the book that that I'm working on now. Um, and, and you're going to love this book, Philip, because I'm taking a lot of the topics we're talking about and I'm explaining from a technical, spiritual, and evidential standpoint how spirit contact and how the afterlife are real and, and what these things mean. So I think it's just a matter of time. If we look at people like Nikolai Tesla and, and Thomas Edison, those are two of the greatest geniuses that have ever lived, I mean, probably since Leonardo da Vinci. And Edison believed that you could create a device that could communicate with the other side. Spiritualism kind of was real popular at that time. It's kind of faded out, and now it's kind of made a resurgence. But with our advanced technology into frequency, into particle physics, into string theory, we're beginning to see that a lot of faith concepts very well have a scientific basis. So I think it's just a matter of time
0: well i i would I would put it a little differently in the sense that I think that we are we are in a progression I think we're in an evolution of consciousness uh, which which is not an original thought by any stretch of the imagination, but I think what's happening is that we're sort of getting beyond the old school religious traditions, and I think we're starting to see some of the foundation to what I would call materialistic science eroding. And we all talk about quantum theory. Quantum theory, by the way, being the, the, the uh, model of the physical world, which says that at the root of reality are not particles, are not waves, but are actually uh, equations, really wisp of nothing is one way to put it. And, and, of course, quantum theory has inspired so many spiritualistic books, such as the Tao of Physics, the Dancing Wulu Masters being, one of the, being two of the earlier books. But the point here is that I think we are, in a more mature fashion, rising up to understand that these old models no longer fit this power, the spirituality we feel inside and, and the stifling that I'm talking about right now is that, we're, that, is that many of these old models such as organized religion and materialistic science are still in the way because people like Stephen Hawking and Richard Dawkins are, are, who are thought leaders are, st- are still sort of uh, poo-pooing this whole field and, and, and so but I completely agree with you Mark that time will be the test and that, and that I'm also very optimistic that in this century we're going to see some breakthrough where, where we're going to start seeing the unification of, of science and spirituality. So, so that's a whole lot there. But but, 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 but but it but is I, but well, I think it, you know it's
1: it's funny because I, I like what you brought up about the the old organized religions and now this materialistic science and in a way the materialistic science is a religion it's the religion of atheism right because well if you can't prove it if you can't stick it under a microscope if you can't subject it to the scientific method and and I laugh at these guys because what happens is as, you know, I laugh laugh, not at them, but, but at the situation, because I mean no disrespect to these great minds. But the fact of the matter is, this is an arrogant assumption that just because of their theories and the technology of the day, that's the be-all and end-all of the knowledge. And both Hawking and Dawkins know better than that. 400 years ago, if you let, – let's go 600 years ago. Um, the stars were considered holes in the fabric of heaven. Okay, there was all these bizarre theories what stars were, what these lights in the sky at night were. Then comes the invention of the telescope. All right, Galileo, who did not discover it, but it refined and improved upon it, and actually went out there and said, "Hey, uh, there," you know, the Earth is not the center of the universe. So he gets, you know, declared uh, a heretic and, and and persecuted and all that. Then, if you look about 300 years ago. 200 years ago even, uh, what, were the, what was the cause of disease? Oh, it was bad vapors at night. And I always tell people, remember in that movie Gone with the Wind when Scarlett O'Hara is going, I got the vapors, I got the vapors. <laughs> people actually believed yeah. that at nighttime the air got bad yeah. and it made you sick. Well, then they invent the microscope. Oh, my God Microorganisms, all right. Radio waves were a theory in 1850, yet by 1900, Marconi was sending transatlantic transmissions. Then, let alone what you and I are doing with an internet radio show, which is employing every form of electrical technology. So, the fact that we don't have technology now that can tune into the other side does not, and, and when I say technology, I mean man-made technology. The technology does exist. It's mediums. It's all of us. We all have the ability to detect the spiritual presence of a loved one or of spirits around us. Some people are better at it than others. Some people, like Hawking and Dawkins, are better at science and math than others. Some people, like Michael Phelps, better at swimming than others. We can all do these things, but we can't do them with that level of proficiency. And therein lies the difference. Mediums do this with a greater level of proficiency. And so just because the technology doesn't exist, or just because the understanding isn't there, or just because somebody um, does not have this in their realm of experience and laughs at it and thinks it's goofy, or just because your mind is so enraptured in in religious uh, thinking, does not mean that mediums cannot communicate with the other side. It does not mean that the afterlife does not exist, and it does not mean that God does not exist.
0: Well, I, I think that what is missing in our current worldview is a theory that accounts for the afterlife or, or for what, we, what some people call the paranormal. I think what we're doing right now in our scientific worldview, and this again comes up a lot, is that because certain events, let's say mind over matter, or clairvoyance, or out of body experiences, or afterlife experience, because those don't fit the model, therefore they're not true. That's the thinking. Yes. And what we what we need is a theory that explains the facts as opposed to as opposed to a a limited theory that rules out the facts. And, and I think that's something from, from legal training that I, I would assume we, we both know, which is that it's always better to have a theory of a case that actually uh, accounts for the facts, such as the, the various witnesses, <laughs> the, the documents, the evidence, as opposed to a theory that ignores half of the facts because you are in love with your little theory. And and that's that to me is where is where legal training is very helpful. Now I wanna I wanna turn a little bit here because I know a lot of people are probably wondering. Well, well, Mark Anthony, tell us about one of your more noteworthy um, uh, uh, experiences uh, where you got in touch with the other side. Just just to give us a flavor of the kinds of things that you've done and experienced over your life. I know there's been a whole lot of them, but why don't you give us an example of the type of uh, reading that you use or that you've had in your in your career that really was, uh, was uh, effective.
1: Well, I, I want to bring it to a very personal level. My best friend, we met when we were 11 years old. His name was Billy and Billy even though he went to Catholic school and I went to Catholic school as we, we went to uh, grade school, junior high uh, high school together and uh, college and then I went to law school and then he moved to Asia to teach English to uh, Japanese executives but he was an atheist and we had this ongoing discussion our entire lives and I even went to, to Asia to study Buddhism and you know, he, he was my tour guide because I mean who better I mean, the guy could speak Thai, Indonesian, Japanese, I mean, he was great at this stuff. And he would say, you give me things to think about, but I just can't believe. I do not believe that you can talk to dead people. I do not believe there's a God, and I don't believe there's an afterlife. I think that when you're dead, you're dead. Long story short, he marries this lovely woman from Japan, Yuki, and they're living in California, and and I live on the East Coast, and I got a call one day. And he'd been having some problems with depression, and I don't want to get into his personal problems. Long story short, he, he, di- he overdosed. And his wife was on the phone, and she's Japanese, and she's very, very sweet and very, very respectful of everybody, and, sh- and she's in tears. And my heart's breaking because I know how sensitive she is. And she said, the doctors want me to remove life support. They want me to kill him. I can't do it. And I said, Yuki, then don't. And and let me tell you, my heart was breaking. She goes, You're the only one I have to turn to. I, I my family in Japan, um, you know, they're they're gonna come, but I don't know what to do and the doctors are pressuring me. I said, Don't do it. So she didn't. Well three hours after our phone call, Billy expired on his own. And uh then she called me back, she was crying, and she says, uh, thank you for telling me not to do it and I realized she could never live with herself if she had. Yeah. And I was just devastated, and so I went home, and I'm sitting in my living room, and, and I'm just grappling with this, and all of a sudden, there he is. Wow. And the first thing he says is, well, I guess you won that argument. <laughs> and I start laughing, because it's like, <laughs> that is so him. Yeah, is <laughs> and good. yet, now he's still getting the last word. Yep. Well, being the skeptical lawyer, I immediately begin to cross-examine this experience. Thinking, well, yeah, I'm a medium, and and yeah, and I understand this, but maybe this is wishful thinking, and and also I'm grieving, so of course I'm sliding into fear and and sadness, and and I'm getting consumed by this. And then the phone rings about about an hour later, and it's a friend of mine who's a very well known medium, and I was talking to her on the phone. I didn't mention a thing about it. She goes, "I'm picking up on something very heavy around you." I said, "What?" She goes, "A friend of yours." um, die, he's like a brother very close to you, a male very close to you. I go, Yeah, my best friend in the whole world died. She goes, Well he wants you to know something about winning an argument.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's good.
1: So for me, you know, even though I'm a medium and even though I counsel people and tell people there's an afterlife, I needed that. And, and also, it cracked me up, because here's someone who was an avowed atheist, who comes through and goes, well, I guess there is an afterlife, so I guess you won that argument. <laughs> yeah. And that was so like him, yeah. to not only tell me I won the argument, but still to get the last word.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, well, you know, I think I think you may have gotten the, the last word in one way, because that, that is really an amazing story. Uh, first of all, this is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Mark. Anthony, the lawyer and author of Never Letting Go about messages from the other side. Now, Mark, what when you saw your friend Billy after his death, what what did he look like? He looked
1: great. Um, was he it, looked
0: I I take it like was it like a hallucination? <laughs> was it like a three, was it like he was really sitting there or was it like a shadowy image or Well,
1: what well, what happened was I was sitting in my living room at home, and I also get this tingly sensation. That's kind of when I know that they're connecting with me. I look up, and I actually saw my mother's spirit. Okay. And of course, she knew she knew Billy because I mean, he'd been there since you know, we're, you know, our birthdays were a week apart. All right, I grew up in his house; he grew up in my house, right. and she smiled and kind of faded to the side and then he came through. So she kind of brought him there and he looked good. He looked like he did when he was about 30, you know, he was a, he was a surfer. So he had that, you know, big, strong upper body strength. He had blonde hair, blue eyes. And uh, he kind of looked like Robin Williams in a way. He looked like Robin Williams, but blonde hair, blue eyes. And it was funny because we were in Asia, people were like, are you Robin Williams? Are you Robin Williams? And he's yeah. signing all these autographs. I'm yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, have all really funny. Yeah. I mean, this was yeah. like years and years ago. Um and so he came through and looking just really glowing and healthy and he smiled and and the way spirits communicate with us they don't speak in English or Japanese or any human language a spirit vibrates frequency waves of intelligence so the spirits energy field interfaces with my energy field with my brainwave activity and so the brain waves receive this information and it gets translated into recognizable concepts based on my feelings, emotions, cultural references, and memories. And so, but I got a direct message. I guess you won that argument. Wow. And then later on, because I was doubting it so much, um, a friend of mine is a medium, calls out of the blue. We hadn't talked in months, just and she, and, and that's how spirits do things. They will uh, they will direct us to do things or influence us. It's like when people say, oh, after you know my uncle died, I find pennies everywhere. Well, I don't believe the Spirit's materializing pennies. Maybe they are, but I don't think that they are. But they can direct your attention. And then when you, when they direct your attention to a penny, they're also energetically um, sending an impulse to you, which makes you think of them. Ergo, gee, Uncle Tom keeps sending me pennies. A- and that's that's how i believe that that a lot of these phenomena work and and i talk about that in in never letting go um uh, con, you know uh, signs from the other side knowing how they're around you and that's an important thing for many grieving people to know is that your loved ones are around you and they do reach out it's just learning how to be sensitive to the contact
0: okay i i want to get i want to get clear about one thing though and that is we understand the the uh experience of seeing somebody in fr- I mean a real person in front of you that you touch and that resists pressure you know it, it's real uh, and then we have this image and then you know many of us have hallucinated or maybe lucid dreaming mirages um, uh, shadowy images I mean where on the spectrum was your f- friend
1: well, okay, there are different forms of clairvoyance. Clairvoyance means seeing, seeing an image. Clairaudience means hearing it. Clairsentience means feeling it. Right. There's two types of clairvoyance, objective, subjective. Subjective is where you receive a vision in your head, like a, like a very vivid memory. Having a, a dream where a loved one comes and speaks to you because um, when you have a dream, that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and the contact with the deceased person seems very real as if it is, is happening. It's because it is, uh, okay? And, and it's happening within your mind or rather being projected into, into the memory section of your mind so you see the image and the contact in the form of a vivid memory, whereas object of clairvoyance is when you're picking up on their energy signature um, external to your body, and the reason that it's called objective clairvoyance is because more than one person can see that image. Hmm. I've been working with other mediums where uh, a spirit comes through, and especially in a in a development uh, class, and everyone's told write down what you're seeing, don't say it, and then later on, everybody's descriptions match.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. That's that is really something else because I I think that's where I was trying to go with this because a lot of a lot of folks are have that. I think have the same question. I mean, some people have watched, I guess, the show The Ghost Hunters or whatever it is on TV, and there's people walking around with you know with cameras trying to catch the spirits. But, but, but I and I don't have any opinion on that because I haven't I haven't watched that show it's, uh, enough really to to have form you an opinion. pardon? Have
1: you? I I see. I've I've been a speaker at a number of paranormal conferences and uh, and. The last one I was at was in Estes Park, Colorado at the Stanley Hotel and a bunch of the guys from the Ghost Hunter shows and Aaron, I can't remember his last name, and and Dave Schrader from Darkness Radio and they were all there and we were doing ghost hunts and they had all the equipment set up and everything and it was really fascinating and the funny thing is – um, a lot of them, they're really into, it's a demon, it's a demon, 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 you know, and, and because scary sells. and we're in this one room, it's, it's, um, what is it? Room 217 at the Stanley hotel, the most haunted room and all that. And even like when Jim Carrey was staying there, uh, he ran out of the room screaming in the middle of the night. And personally, I think it was Jim Carrey kind of being Jim Carrey, but, right. um, that it was, it hit the newspaper. So it was good for his upcoming movie, dumb and dumber, but, <laughs> but, um, We're in the room, and all of a sudden, um, I kid you not, a shadow starts forming on the wall, and people start screaming, and the the ghost hunter that's in there is like, it's a demon! (laughs) And so I walk into it, and people are like, Mark, don't! And I said... Okay, this is a grandfather, and I start describing, and he died recently, and and this is what he died from, and I'm feeling a heart attack, and all this, and he's with this little ginger colored kitty cat, and this all of a sudden this girl emerges from the darkness from the other side of the room. She goes, "That's my grandfather. He died three weeks ago, and my cat just died," and oh, and, and wow. so all of a sudden it was like this really heartwarming connection. Yeah. Um, It was her grandfather that had come through, and she's hugging me and crying, and and so then they they take all the the attendees out, because there's about 100 people there, so we're rotating like groups of of 10 at a time, and the ghost hunter was furious. He goes, I don't want you doing that. (laughs) I go, why? He goes, "Uh, uh, uh," I go, oh, I get it, so you can make this scary and convince everyone that spirit contact is evil, and they're all devils, so you can sell your contraptions. Is that it? And they were like, you get out of here. So anyway, uh, I I went to several other uh, venues, and and I was treated much better by the other ghost hunters. And the Stanley has on staff a team of ghost hunters. And when the conference is over, they approached me and they said, Mark, we really want to thank you. They said, these people come in here. They're trying to tell everyone it's demonic and all this, but what you were telling people – coincides with our conclusions that these are not negative entities and uh, i mean i could go on and on and on about this experience but a lot of people think that spirit contact is negative or evil and here there, here's the reason I'm, I'm telling you all this philip is a spirit is energy when the spirit's energy interfaces in other words their energy field touches your electrical field the response is cold tingling chills that's an electrical response which we normally experience during fright so therefore oh my god this must be scary and negative when actually a spirit's just trying to make contact and that's why you get the cold chills it's an electrical response and once you begin to work with this and understand it then you'll see oh this isn't scary at all that's a spirit making contact
0: what i find that is really compelling to me here is is this aspect of the need to be open to the experience or open to the spiritual world for this to happen. Because this this contrast between having a positive spiritual experience and, and being, on the other hand, haunted by ghosts is a big one. Sure. And it, it, seem, it seems to me that if you're open to the experience, or put differently, you want to hear from a loved one that's died. And 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 you do have such an experience, then it's something that is co- is partly coming from you, or there, or there's an openness to this quote unquote spiritual world where it's a natural experience. It's not like a haunting. No,
1: it and, and it's it's perfectly natural and part of our our. Experience. Um, it really frustrates me because all day long, I mean, I made a joke the other day on Twitter, a day without hate mail from Christians is like a day without <laughs> sunshine. <laughs> wow. Wow, cool, <laughs> because yeah. they say, you're playing with the devil, Deuteronomy says you should be stoned, you should be put to death, and it's like, oh, how nice, I guess you missed the whole don't cast the first stone and uh, <laughs> love one another as yourself thing. Right. Um, and the fact remains is I was groomed to be a Catholic priest, so I am a Christian, and I don't, I, I take umbrage when people think that it is up to them to define how I believe in God, because this is a very personal decision, and I get really disgusted with this, you know, there is one and only way, and it's, you know, the first church of the right wing on Yeehaw Road. Right. Um, and, and once again, I, I have no problem with people being fundamentalists, I have no problem with being faith. Where I have a problem is when they take their faith to oppress, criticize, and attack other people. Because that wasn't what Jesus was all about. Jesus was about peace and love and understanding. And, uh, you know, we could talk about Jesus all day, too. But it, it, it gets really frustrating because what happens is people have converted God into a neurotic medieval king, a male who sits on a throne smiting and casting people out because they don't believe in his, his one and only interpretation of the Bible. And um, somebody said this to me one time, but they said, well, I believe in the Bible. I said, well, which version? Oh, I suppose you think the Catholic version is correct. I said, well there's the Catholic version, there's the Greek Orthodox version, there's the Byzantine Catholic, the Armenian Christian, the Russian Orthodox, Ukrainian Orthodox, there's the Coptic Christian of Egypt, there's the uh, Christian uh, Coptic uh, uh, Ethiopian, there's the Thomas Christians of India, not to mention the uh, Martin Luther uh, version of the Bible, in addition to the King James Version of the Bible, and uh, all of those religions have subgroupings and subversions of five Bibles, and every single one one of them believes that theirs is the one and only true version of the Bible.
0: This person looked at me and goes, Huh? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> on that on that front, what what I what really amazes me is that what you're doing and I have to say what I'm doing in my own book, The Heaven at the End of Science, but what I'm doing and you're doing is validating <laughs> S- the, the truth the, the basic truth of the Bible that there is a God that there is a spiritual world that, that, uh, that we are united at some deeper level and, and so it, it, it always amazes me when, when those of the orthodox and I don't know what, what the best word to use I'm mean, going to use the word orthodox standpoint when they react uh, so negatively against stuff that you're doing Okay, now I haven't had the hate Twitter, so maybe I'm I'm not quite radical enough, but I think my problem is that people don't understand me yet, but <laughs> give but, it time. <laughs> but on the other hand but on the other hand, I why why would they why why would this, this um hate hate tweets um occur? what is it about your your talent and, and, and your and your skills that sets people off?
1: Well, there's a lot of people that, that hone in on some um, verses in Deuteronomy and Leviticus that, you know, you're doing the work of demons and all this. Wow. And what it comes down to is that they're, they're wallowing in primitive superstitious nonsense, okay? Um, the, the Bible is full of mediumship. Where we are good guys and good girls, we're prophets and prophetesses. Where we're bad, they call us mediums and I think what it comes down to to me the pivotal pivotal point was during King Saul when when the prophet Samuel died and things are going badly for Saul David's popularity is rising the Philistines are moving against him so he wants to consult with the witch of Endor who's actually a medium to bring through the prophet Samuel even though Saul has banned this because the rabbis in, the, in uh, Israel said you know don't do this And the prophet Samuel comes through and says that your time is at an end. All right, so the rabbinical, and then Saul's defeated in battle. His son Jonathan is slain. Um, David becomes the king of the Jews. And recently I was on a radio show with a fundamentalist, and he said, Saul lost his mediumship because of that. And so I explained to him, well, there's another way of looking at it. Wasn't it the will of God for David to become the king of the Jews? Was not Jesus descended from David through his mother Mary? So did the prophet Samuel's spirit make that happen? Or did the prophet Samuel's spirit only tell Saul what was the will of God and the inevitable? And the guy looked at me and goes, huh. Hmm. And uh, then I said, well, so just because we can see it or spirit sees it doesn't mean we're going to be able to influence it or change it. And what happened at that point in time, the rabbinical community of Judea, uh, which you know we now know as is Israel, said, don't do that, because if you do that, then, then see what happened to Saul, because it threatens their one and only road to God, um, because what mediums teach people and what I teach people in my book, Never Letting Go, is that God exists, heaven exists, our soul is an immortal living spirit we can communicate with those souls and when it's our time to cross into the light to the other side we will see our loved ones again and traditional religions want a dominance on the one and only way to God so that God can only be achieved through their clerics through their doctrine through their dogma through their procedures and you have to give us money to do it so when it comes down to it it's the running a business they want funding for the business, and if you don't fund the business, then you're making God angry. And I think that's exactly what it comes down to. And quite frankly, it's primitive. It's based in paranoia and superstition. And, and you must fear God, fear God, fear God. I'm sorry, but the God I connect with, the God I know, is incredible, is love, is freedom, and nothing of a spiritual nature is controlling you gravitate to the spiritual because of the positive energy of love, and and the release of all negativity. That's my understanding.
0: That's that's great, Mark. Uh, this is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Mark Anthony about messages from the other side, and what and what you were saying about about the reaction of traditionalists against what you're doing, I think it, it's, it's extremely important. And I think that a lot of people are having their own doubts because of the methods that the Orthodox folks may be using here. And, and to be very specific, to me, if God is real, if spirituality is real, then nothing any of us say or think is going to change that. It, it really is a function of understanding it and understanding in what sense it's real. And so if, if we give in to what I would call an extremely archaic interpretation of the Bible, an a, a outworn and outdated interpretation, and, and don't think it through for ourselves and our own lives, we may be missing our opportunity for true understanding. And that, that to me is the problem and that's why we we've talked a couple times on the show about the importance of being open-minded when you're open-minded you're sort of open to different perspectives because none of us really have it all figured out and unless you're out there with a searching mind and open mind there's no chance that we're ever going to improve uh, the state of our understanding now one of the important things that, that you do in your book that I want to make sure we touch upon, and that is this whole concept of dealing with grief and, and how how getting in contact with the other side or with a loved one uh, after they pass away helps the, the grieving process. So So can you give us an example or two on, of of how you have found that this method of of contacting or communicating with the other side uh, addresses the grief problem.
1: Uh, if people go to my website and um, neverlettinggo.com dot com and click on the video uh, book tour series, there there's a number of readings that I've conducted, and I want to talk about talk about uh, a couple of them. One, there's a woman named Monica whose son has died and she came to see me and I'm doing this reading in front of uh, about, you know, 75, 80 people. Her son comes through and reveals some things about her and, you know, that, that I, I would have no reason to know. And when you see Monica, you can see this is a, a broken and shattered woman. Um, and she's very uptight and nervous and shaking. Then... Two months later, I'm doing another event, and this beautiful woman comes up to me and hugs me and says, Thank you. Uh, you've done so much for me. I'm looking at her like, And you are? And She goes, It's Monica. Wow. And, and Philip, she looked 10 years younger. She looked beautiful and glowing. And a friend of hers came and goes, You have no idea what you did for her. And, and, uh, and they said, You allowed her to bury her son. And what, what an important part of spirit contact does is it allows you to accept the reality of the physical death, yet never let go of the love for the person who died. And in the, in the chapter in Never Letting Go, going from a physical to a spiritual relationship, some people have a reading with me and they're very happy with it, and then they come back the next week, I want another reading, and I say, well, give it six months to a year. Well, no, I want it now. I said, yeah, but the problem is you're clinging on to the physical. You want to have a conversation as if your child or your spouse or whoever is still here, but they're not. And so spirit contact validates the eternal nature of life because, you know, Philip, I think that the greatest fear when somebody you love dies is that everything that she was, everything that she ever will be, has disintegrated into nothingness and that's terrifying and when you find out that these beings are alive in in, you know spiritually energetically because we're energy we're in a physical body when that that physical body ceases to function the energy um um, transitions to a higher frequency energy is neither created nor destroyed only transferred energy doesn't get tired doesn't get sick doesn't need to sleep so when they come through because I was doing a reading for these people and I start saying, all right, well, um, all right, your daughter's coming through and she's talking about, uh, I guess there's a problem with the car because I'm smelling burnt oil and something with the power steering. And they're like, well, she didn't have a car like that. And her sister goes, wait, I just bought a car that's leaking oil and the power steering's all screwed up. I said, well, then that's how she's letting you know she's around. And they're like, really? I go, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, she really is around. And so that brings comfort to people to know that they haven't lost communication or contact. We're all energetically connected. It's just that we're not all in physical form. And I think that is a tremendously comforting uh, affirmation uh, or empowering statement. Also, spirit contact validates your belief system that God exists, heaven exists, and our spirit is an eternal living being.
0: The, the point here that I, that I think needs to be made is that one of the mysteries of science is we don't really understand what we are. And to be specific, modern science proceeds as if the body is a machine. And one of the books that I'm, I'm reading right now is called uh, The Singularity is, is Near which is really about the, the, um, the convergence of computers and, and biology in the far future. But if you view the, the body as a machine or a collection of ball bearings, dust, then at death the machine is going to decay, rust away, and go into nothingness. But we know through the findings of quantum theory teaching us that at the root of reality is really dream stuff, not matter, and through the great spiritual traditions that it is more likely in my opinion that we are in fact spiritual beings having a physical experience just like many folks have said and that our problem is that we haven't really appreciated the truth of that statement that's really what i think our our, our issue is and i know you you mentioned that yourself uh, in your book that if we, if, we, if we really truly understand that we are spiritual beings at the get-go, then, then, then this starts making sense.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's, if you look at what Jesus was saying, you know, Jesus was fully human, and Jesus did communicate with the dead. If you read the the Bible, the Transfiguration, where the spirits of Moses and Elijah appear on either side of Jesus before the apostles, and it's this glowing thing. Well, it's interesting how uh, fundamentalists always gloss over that one or never mention it, because that is one of the most clear-cut descriptions of what's known as physical mediumship, where the medium is actually able to emanate enough energy to form a physical manifestation of the spirits that are communicating. Okay, yes. well, that's what Jesus did, and, you know, Jesus apparently was, uh, you know, the mega medium to the 20,000th power, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, and, and so, but, but they don't want to read that, oh, no, 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 they gloss over that, in fact, even that mini-series that was on uh, History Channel, the Bible, I was watching that, man, they glossed over all the really heavy-duty spiritual stuff, and got more into the brutality, um, uh, it, it's, it's, I was watching, it was like, it was one, one, a scene of brutality followed by the next, yes. and it's like, wow, this is a pretty violent story. Yeah. Uh, they're not getting into the philosophy and and the, the upliftedness of why you would want to follow the teachings of Jesus, but boy, they sure do want to watch him getting beaten, yeah. and and that therein lies lies a big part of the problem, is that people are not realizing that we're spiritual beings. They're not realizing that that's what Jesus was here to tell us. The kingdom of God is within the spiritual power and energy and, and eternal connection of God. We are all cells in the body of God. Now, the Hindus, Hinduism's very interesting. If if you get away from, um, a lot of people look at it and they say, oh, there's an elephant-headed God and people with six arms, and, and they did completely dismiss it. If you get past the the iconography, the icons and the images, and start studying, um, they believe that we come through succession of lifetimes. They also believe that God walks among us all the time in human form. And and when you talk to Hindus about Jesus, they're like, yeah, he was just another incarnation of God. <laughs> it's yeah. really kind of funny, yeah. you know, because Hinduism seems to get that. Now, I'm not saying that, that I'm a Hindu or, or necessarily subscribe to everything they say, but I think that you cannot discount looking at all the belief systems gandhi said gandhi's one of my favorite people because if anyone ever really got it i'd say since jesus it was gandhi he said we're all the children of god why do you raise your hands against your brothers and sisters simply because they call god by a different
0: name that's really powerful and and i think that in closing here uh Mark, I want to I wanna make sure you, I think you've already mentioned your website, but I think one of the questions would be from a listener, which is, do you do um, readings over the telephone or over video, or is it in person only?
1: Uh, I do. I'd say actually most of the readings I do are over the telephone, and I do many in person, and then I do many gallery readings, um, and they can find out about that on my website, neverlettinggo.com. And uh, in fact, after this, I'm, I'm getting ready to head to uh, a bookstore uh, that has invited me to come because I'll be doing readings there.
0: Oh, well, that's, that's but,
1: cool. Yeah, people seek me out from all over the world in between Skype and, and the telephone. Um, I've done readings from people in Australia, South Africa, Singapore, India, all over continental Europe, U.S., Canada, and uh, – um, it doesn't matter if we're doing it over the phone because spirits are moving at least at light speed and they're zipping back and forth between me. People say, well, that sounds impossible. Once again, Philip, you and I are having a conversation that's being transmitted at light speed over gadgets and widgets and technology can, can, you know, created by people. Quite frankly, I think God created a much more sophisticated and efficient energy system.
0: Yeah, it's and it's such it's such a it's such a rich topic which we're not going to have time to get into, but the whole, the whole concept of why all of these modern technological marvels work. But but in closing, I I want to make this point because again, on this show, what I'm trying to do is to show sort of the outer limits of science and spirituality. And I think when you really look at it closely at the scientific Uh, realm. We see things such as the 11 dimensions of string theory. We see something called the multiverse, this near-infinity number of other universes that nobody could see, touch, or prove. And then we have people like Mark Anthony who have a vision, who have a connection to a spiritual world. And I have to tell you that I think the evidence for this spiritual world is a lot more, a lot greater than the evidence for the multiverse. Or the 11th dimensions of string theory. What does this mean? It means that we have a ways to go to understand the, the, the richness and the depth of the world we live in. Spirituality looks like it's real. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merritton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.